You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. Good morning, Faith Church. If you are able and willing, would you please rise, uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, or I will bless those who bless you, and, in, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Man, you may be seated, yes. Hey, we're just going to jump in with... A difficult question here is one you can answer on your own. Do you find it difficult to trust God? Do you find it difficult? Let's, let's, let's just kind of be honest here. I'm not talking uh, about small stuff, right? I'm, I'm talking about the deep stuff of life. Do, do you find it difficult? Some of you, if you are being transparent, would acknowledge it sure would be simpler if you might be able to see him or see some sort of a sign then it might be easier to trust or at least to believe that maybe he would be at work in the way that you see him at work in other people's lives. Some of you would just acknowledge it is difficult to trust God in that way. You you just don't see uh, this kind of work in your life, maybe. Maybe others would say, it's difficult because if I were being honest, there's been a prolonged period of carrying maybe some emotional pain, maybe some physical pain. And on the horizon, you don't see that changing. And say, hey, I've been carrying that a long time. It would be easier to trust if, if I could just see that break. Maybe others, you just, you've got long time unanswered prayers. And still others, maybe you say, no, I, I trust. I, I'm, I don't have a trouble trusting. I'm not wavering there, but I do get weary. I feel like God continues to tell me to wait, and, and so I'm waiting, but I, I'm wondering when, God, when? You know, I don't have any sort of magic bullet that takes the mystery and the difficulty uh, out of these kind of uh, heart conditions, right? Uh, I think we've got a, a clarity, though, in the Scripture, and this is what I love about the Scripture. It's honest and real, to present us so many people that grapple with the same difficulties that we can grapple with. And in that, I think we can find some encouragement. But along the way, 
One of the things that is also crystal clear in the scriptures is that God is profoundly trustworthy. He is profoundly trustworthy. And he has, from the very beginning, called his people to place their trust in him, to trust him. Now, if we go back, we can see that that call to trust was was really right there in the garden paradise, uh, uh, Eden. Believe it or not, you know, as, as God's proclamation to Adam and Eve was not to eat from the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, built into that proclamation, that command, is a call to trust. Trust me, Adam. Trust me, Eve. This is not for you. And, and of course, we know, if you are familiar with the biblical story, uh, that didn't go too well. Uh, because in a, a moment of defiance, Adam and Eve will eat from the fruit uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in effect, what they're saying is, I can't trust you. From now on, God, I trust me. That's pretty profound if you think about it. I think so often we characterize that episode of Scripture as, they ate some fruit they shouldn't have, and God kind of got bent out of shape. No, at at the core of this, we see a profound mistrust, and that mistrust effectively killed the relationship between God and man. Folks, that is huge, all right? And so one of the things that I think is profound is before God sends Adam and Eve out of the garden— for their mistrust. He's going to make a profound promise to them. Genesis 3.15 relates that a descendant of Adam and Eve would one day crush the head of the serpent. In effect, that's saying one of your sons will lift this curse, the curse of sin and death. That's a pretty awesome promise, and it's pretty Seems pretty unlikely that God's going to give them that promise of hope even as he's sending them packing. They deserve to leave. And yet God's giving them a call to trust. Huh, right there from the beginning. Well, throughout the month of July, we're going to be looking at not only uh, a connection to that promise, but uh, some other key promises that God has made uh, to his people in the scriptures. And as we look at four key promises, four covenants, if you will, uh, we're going to see in the month of July that, boy, uh, God is not only faithful, uh, but he's at work to do far more than we might recognize, especially if we're in the habit of reading the scriptures almost as isolated stories that don't have a connection and a cohesion to them. And I'm really excited about this opportunity to jump in on those covenant promises. If you're not familiar with the idea of a covenant, that's a pretty serious, solemn, oath-like a promise. We don't really have a lot of examples of that in our current era because we, we treat promises so lightly. Probably the best remaining covenant that we have is the covenant that should exist between a parent and a child. Hey, I will provide for you. 
I will give myself for you. I will raise you up, right? A good parent follows uh, implicitly that covenant, right? And so this idea of covenant is a pretty deep promise. Well, we're going to take a look at some of these covenant promises here in this series called The Promise. And as we do, let's go ahead and get into the first of these. Now, uh, as we do, uh, we're, we're going to see uh, right up front, uh, we've, we've only got a limited time. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to move rather quickly uh, through a promise uh, to Abraham that we could really spend uh, probably two or three weeks on. But we're, we're going to move it quickly here today. The first of these promises, as we look at this, is going to be uh, God's promise to Abraham. Uh, by the way, Abraham is called from Ur. We'll see that in just a second. And he is going to be the father of faith, okay? Dubbed that uh, by many. And so we'll, we'll see why in just a moment. But uh, the, the first of these three parts, a land. He's going to be promised a land. Uh, Genesis 12, 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I think it might be helpful uh, just to have a visual representation here. Uh, some of you uh, are visual uh, for sure. And so as we look at this, we've got Ur of the Chaldeans being somewhere down in present-day Iraq. And Abram is going to be called at age 75 to leave behind everything and to head out to a land. And uh, that land is going to ultimately, we're going to take a long route, ultimately going to be over here uh, where the Canaanites are, present-day area of Jerusalem. More on that in a little bit. But, uh, so that's the first part of the promise. The second part is a nation. And this is an interesting call as well, especially in that Abram does not have any children at this point. It's interesting that Abram's name means exalted prince, right? And, uh, and his name will ultimately be changed to, to our exalted father, but he's gonna, it's going to mean the father of many nations. And so that, that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. So he's going to have a nation even though he doesn't have any children. Thirdly, okay, a blessing. And with this, uh, we can recognize many elements of this blessing, but I'm going to just skip down to say, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, we need to just recognize something up front here. This blessing is going to be, yes, um, a material blessing, a lot of wealth, uh, a lot of prosperity, but folks, I think we really make a mistake if we see the limit uh, of it being just a material blessing. And I think as we'll unpack more in a moment, uh, it's a spiritual blessing. Let's just dive into a, a little bit of that uh, as we go. Um, we'll, uh, we'll take a, a moment to do that in a bit, but let's take a look here. We've got four observations that I'm going to make, uh, and we'll, we'll take... Uh, those, and then we will we'll, uh, begin to look at how these are going to be fulfilled later in the New Testament. So, with this in mind, uh, let's go ahead and we'll make um, uh, the, the first of these observations a call to discipleship. 
And you might recognize, even as we've looked last couple of weeks, we've looked at a call to discipleship and seen that it involves a, a radical call to, to leave things behind and to, to go and, and to really give yourself. And so we see all of that present in Abram's calling, right? I mean, he's called to leave the comfortable life that he had in Ur. He's called to go to a place he doesn't know. He's called to kind of be on mission. And so all of these things are inherent in, in this call. Secondly, I just want to emphasize, this is a call uh, to a rescue plan. And, and uh, as, as we look at really Genesis 3.15, we go back to it, God said that a descendant would indeed crush the head of the serpent. This, this story is not disconnected from that. This is a continuation of God's plan. In fact, it continues to grow bigger. This promised son of Adam and Eve is going to come through the line of Abraham. And as it does, this promised son is going to bring about this rescue plan. That's a rescue plan that probably in the days of Adam and Eve, they probably with each son born were thinking, would this next one be the child that will crush the head of the serpent? And as generation after generation would go by, no. Uh, Noah will end up maybe being a, a great hope at some point, but we all know how that ended. Uh, we've got God sending a catastrophic flood. It's a hard reset on all the earth. Where is the hope of this promise? Because after Noah comes uh, and civilization gets a reboot, uh, we, we've got no hope there either. The world quickly spirals back into sin. That's the context that Abraham is called from, all right? We shouldn't think uh, for a moment uh, that God has given up on this plan, though. We're going to see more of that here in just a second. Um, Thirdly, it doesn't depend on perfect faith, all right, this promise, because Abram, as we will uh, kind of, if you if read through the, the story about his life, you'll find that on numerous occasions, he is going to make pretty big blunders. He will, he will find himself at times lying in order to protect his own skin. He will find himself at times taking measures into his own hands to try to bring about God's promises. Ever been guilty of that? Ever find yourself trying to connect the dots for God? Oh, I know what God wants to do. I think I could kind of fast track this. It never turns out good. It didn't turn out good for Abram either. If you're not familiar with that part of the story, hey, he's actually uh, with Sarah's counsel going to go and have sex with his servant girl in order to do what many uh, wealthy or, you know, princely leaders did at that point in time. If they didn't have children, they'd have a child through somebody else uh, in their, you know, uh, in their larger family and, and count that as the, you know, offspring. But uh, this wasn't God's idea, and it's going to cause grave problems. So what I'm trying to get at here is that Abram isn't some squeaky clean, spotless person, and that's why God chose him. In fact, uh, believe it or not, the, the people of Ur, where he was called from, were known for worshiping lunar gods. And his father, Terah, was a worshiper of idols. All of that to tell you, it's very likely that Abram and his family were worshipers of false gods. It's not like we should suppose they were out there building altars to the one true God of the Bible. And God said, well, there's a great specimen. I will, you know, do something great through him. Uh, No, it's just the opposite. God takes a ordinary person wrought with frailties and sinful tendencies, just like you and me, 
and he decides to do something amazing, right? And so, uh, fourthly, we find that this promise is for everyone. Now, I, I want to go back here because I, I just a uh, little, little transparency here. I was so zealous here with the, the button that, that I forgot uh, an earlier point that will elaborate uh, on this. This is for everyone. But I think this is where this, this really is going to take off. We'll, we'll go back uh, to the blessing. I said it's a spiritual blessing ultimately. Folks, uh, this, this part is where it really gets exciting. All right? It's not just about wealth. It's not just about uh, a, a big family. All right? What we've got here uh, is none other than a blessing that will extend to all the nations. And let's just blow that up uh, a little bit further. All right? And so we look at Genesis 15, uh, verse uh, 6, especially. We'll get into it. But, but I'm, I'm going to just uh, forward ahead here for a second. Here it is. Okay? And so as we do, take a look at this. Uh, Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, oh, my bad. I'm, I'm really botching this. I apologize for that. Let me go back here. I've, I've got the right idea, just the wrong screen, and I apologize. Uh, let me go ahead here, and I really feel bad here, but let's go back. We'll get it, all right? The message is greater than the messenger, okay? So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's just take a, a look at this um, verse 1 uh, through 6 here. Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. In other words, he's, he's crying out to God. He's crying out to God saying, God, I've, I've been trusting you for quite some time. I don't see, I don't see evidence of your coming through here. I, I believe you. But where are you? I know we've been there, folks. I believe you, but where are you? And I, and I just got to, let's just put in a parenthetical there. Some of you understand Abraham a little bit better than the rest of us, at least this struggle. If you've ever struggled with waiting on the Lord to bring you children, that's a, that's a tough struggle from everybody I've ever encountered that, that has prayed that and asked me to pray for them on that, shared their difficulty with that, that's a real and difficult struggle. I think it's that kind of struggle that gives you a sense for where Abram is at this point. Say, God, I do believe you, but when, where, how, I don't understand. And in the midst of all of this, Okay? This is where God's going to blow up the promise a little further. Abram, uh, it says, Behold, you have given me an offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him his righteousness Here's, here's where I want to take this. This is the spiritual blessing we're talking about. All right? Abram's struggling with the present. And God is going to give him something so much bigger. Yes, he'll double down on his promise to Abram and say, hey, I got you covered for that child. Keep waiting. Don't lose heart. But Abram, in the midst of looking up in that night sky, can you imagine the audacity of this promise? I imagine it was probably a pretty clear night, 
And as it, as it stands out there, he's looking up and he sees just a, a panorama of stars that he couldn't begin to count. And that's just the point uh, of God taking Abram to this point and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to do more for you than you can begin to imagine. Somehow, Abram, with a childlike faith, not knowing the answers of how, is going to believe. He'll just say, basically, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you. And in the midst of this, this is where it says God gave him righteousness. Now, that's a word that's fallen out of use in our present day, largely. Righteousness, we can think of as being a right standing with God. This is where I want to hook all of this together, right? We've said Genesis, the problem. Adam and Eve had to leave the garden because they didn't trust God. They had broken that relationship. They had severed it. They'd killed it. And God's saying, hey, I'm going to give you a message of hope. Abram is now being given not only the promise of a great nation, but God is saying, Abram, despite your sinful tendencies, despite your weaknesses and your frailties, despite the fact that you come from a long line of people who have mistrusted me, I'm going to make you right with me. And this rightness has nothing to do with what Abraham has done. It all comes from him taking God at his word. It's not that he cleaned up his act. It's not that he was somehow living a perfect stellar life. God is saying, Abram, I've got you covered not only for the child, not only for the long term of the promise, but I'm restoring the relationship that has been severed. Folks, before you like just gloss over that and say, yeah, 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 I, 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 want, you, I want you to understand just how profound that is. I want you to think of it in terms of a credit card with a pretty amazing balance. I think kids often get this when parents give the credit card and they go shopping, right? <laughs> hey, dad's got it covered, right? Just, just go ahead and do that. No, uh, for the record, we don't do that in my household. But, <laughs> uh, but, but the, you get the idea. It's like, hey, if dad's spending, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and charge it up. Here's the deal. In order for Abram to be made right with God, something is not only going to have to pay his debt, right? This is God giving Abraham a spiritual credit that's not his own. Abram, I've got you covered. Whatever your debt has been, it's covered. It's, it's on another account. But, but it goes beyond that, folks. Uh, what we're talking about isn't just for the wrongdoings. God is looking for people to not only be void of sin, he's looking for people to do what is good and pleasing and honorable. Hey, that's going to be costly. We live in a world that likes to do body makeovers of all sorts and varieties. We won't get into that, but I can tell you, no matter what body makeover you want to do, it's costly. You want to do a spiritual body makeover? It's going to be extremely costly. This is where God's got it covered the credit that God is giving him, the righteousness that God is extending. Abram, whatever it takes to do to transform who you are, I will completely cover it, right? This is profound. This is greater than any, any possible blessing Abraham could imagine. Right with God in every capacity imaginable, not just for the wrong that he had done, but for the right that he couldn't even fully do. It's covered. God's got it covered. Well, let's go ahead, and we're going to kind of uh, make our way through here to say the profoundness of that, that fourth blessing or that fourth observation 
is that this is for everyone. Do you remember uh, God had said, those who bless you, I will bless. Abram is going to basically encounter lots of people. We see it even in these uh, in chapters of Genesis where, where Abram will have you know, people encounter him and they'll treat him well and they will be blessed physically or materially. And then we sometimes see some things that don't go well for him uh, with other people and, and the people will have a consequence. There'll be a, a curse as it were. But again, this, this greater idea is not simply a material blessing or a material cursing. There is a spiritual reality behind all of this. And so let's take a look and see how this blows up in the New Testament. Uh, I don't want you to just take my word for it. I'm going to go to to the Apostle Paul. I know this is a somewhat abstract concept, but Paul is going to straight up write about the very things we've been talking about. Uh, So look what Paul says. This is in Galatians here. uh, That was the passage I was looking for before. Uh, We're we're looking at, um, I can't believe these got mixed up. Okay, Uh, we're looking at Galatians, uh, should be Galatians 3, and here we go. Um, And Galatians 3, that is the right passage. So Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with the man Abraham, or the man of faith. And so uh, all I'm getting at here, really, is the heart of the New Testament, right? (laughs) I say all I'm getting at. Uh, what we've got here is Paul making a very direct connection, and he does this in several places in his New Testament letters. But he's saying Abraham is basically showing us something profound that is going to be fulfilled in Jesus. We've got Abraham as an example of living by faith and being made right by faith, being the prototype of what you and I uh, would be in Christ If you have trusted in Christ, if you are placing your hope for him to take away your sin and take on uh, the righteous virtue of Christ as your own, that this, this promise is essentially making you and I children of Abraham. Those who rely on faith are blessed alongside of Abraham. And again, those who have faith are children of Abraham. There's a spiritual dynamic here, right? This is mysterious, but this idea is profound. When we talked earlier this morning about the idea of, of not uh, living only for our current country, right? Church, we, we've got a call to, to, to live as a part of a, a whole different nation uh, in Abraham. This is pretty profound. And so as we look at a, a, a land uh, that will be given to Abraham, yeah, that land, the promised land was given, right? That promised land had been established. But there's a, a land yet to come. We've got the new Jerusalem. It's talked about in, in Revelation. And, and Christians who are literally children of Abraham, or figuratively children of Abraham, I should say, are going to be included uh, in, in that land. And as we, we look forward, uh, we can see that not only that, but there is an inheritance of, of, you know, promise that is given to all Christians. So like Abraham, we're waiting for uh, a fulfillment of a, of a promise that's even bigger uh, than what we currently now realize. There's a sense in which now we have 
some of the promises of Christ, and yet, yet to come uh, is much more. Now, uh, I, I truly want to apologize here for some of the, the hiccups uh, along the way in, in some of the Scripture uh, on the screen. But at the same point, uh, I, 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 want, I want you to hear my heart. My heart is going to be wrapped up in these last two points because I do think there is a, a, an amazingly profound way that this relates to you and to me. All right? This isn't some just cerebral message, a Sunday school type message that has no connection with how you leave this room. All right? And so I want to just say very clearly, uh, we're justified by faith alone like Abraham is. And here's where that's going to come into play here, right? I'm just going to ask you a a, a few questions uh, as as kind of a spiritual diagnostic, all right? And so let's just ask, um, do, do you feel... Do you feel sometimes that God has uh, forgiven you because of how you live? Is that ever something that kind of goes through your mind? Yeah, you're like, hey, I'm living good. I think God's, God's forgiven me here uh, because I'm living good. Or maybe I would just ask, do you find yourself keeping track, a, a balance of your good deeds and your bad deeds or the, the things that are going well and the things that aren't, all right? Or are you living with a sense of guilt and shame? And this, this one, I think, honestly, if we're being transparent, a number of us at, at some points would say, yes, I, I live with a sense of guilt and shame for things that are part of my past. They sort of haunt me. Folks, I, I want you to know this morning, just without a shadow of a doubt, that the way we approach God has nothing to do with our past track record or even our present track record. It has to first begin with this recognition that God has proclaimed us righteous. If you are trusting in Christ, I'm not talking about if you're an unbeliever, but if your trust is in Christ, the first And foremost reason and way that we connect to God is on the basis of his proclaiming us righteous. Just like Abraham, we are proclaimed righteous. It's not about what you've done. It's not about how well you cleaned yourself up first. It's not about if you've been maintaining a super good devotional life and like, man, I'm on track, five stars. God's God's probably happy with me. I got some spiritual credit in the bank account, right? Because at the heart of all of these kind of approaches, it's like you getting out your own billfold and, and trying to pay the righteous factor out of your own pocket. Folks, the only card that works is God's. I need us to recognize that because I can slide in and out at times of kind of a dialogue in my own mind that tries to pay for the bill. Christ will have none of it. Our works, our act to pay the bill, our act to kind of bring something to the table is as filthy rags to God. When we talk about the righteousness that's been given to Abraham and the righteousness that is given to the sons and daughters of Abraham, hey, that's established on God covering the bill. And we've got to be firm on that. So I just want to ask you this morning... Are you trusting in this? If you're not, it'll sap your joy in the gospel. 
in the gospel. It will be hard for you to, to look upon God with a, with a joy, all right? Now, we're going to get into next, next week. This isn't a call to, to just live without any regard for God's calling, but we still have to recognize your standing before God is determined first and foremost by what He has promised and not about what you have done, all right? That's got to be clear. The second thing that I want to leave us with is that if you are a follower of Christ, you have been blessed to be a blessing, all right? The people that encountered Abraham were blessed as they received him, as they they responded with him, as they made treaties with him, and as they did life with him. You know what? The people that God has placed in your life, your unsaved family, your unsaved friends, your unsaved uh, loved ones, they are going to be blessed to the extent that you are living some of this out before them. And what do I mean by that? I'm not talking about a five-fold evangelism plan necessarily. What I'm talking about is, do they know something in you about the wonder that you relate to God, not by what you have done, but by what He has done? In other words, do we ever talk about the God who has picked up the bill? Do we ever talk about the God who has covered it all? Do people see evidence of that bringing a joy and a transformation to our life? That wasn't given to you to never talk about it. We're to leave the table, as it were, having God picked up the bill, but go forward and proclaim the wonder of this God and how you relate to Him, right? This this is something amazing, and it's too good to be bottled up, right? You are blessed to be a blessing, and to the extent that we'll do that, to the extent that we'll be on mission with just that simple message, I relate to God, not by what I have done, but by what He has done. I'm a forgiven man. I've been forgiven a lot. You, sh- you should just know uh, just how much God has changed me over time. Do people know that story about you? That's the calling. That's the calling. Well, let us leave it there here as we, we look at all of these things. We've, we've, looked, at, we've looked at much here. We've, we've seen that Abraham uh, was, was called and given a promise uh, that was so, so great. But the, the biggest of that was not the, the material blessings. It was the spiritual blessings. And we see that his call to faith is going to be bolstered by the faithfulness of God. And this has got to be part of the call. All right, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll uh, wrap up with, with prayer. Would you, would you join me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you for your faithfulness, your trustworthiness. Would you stir afresh in each of us a desire to trust you and to take you at your word? Would you give us grace, Lord? Help us to relate to you, not on the basis of our performance, but on the basis of yours. Help us, Lord, to stop substituting in Uh, alternate ideas about how we should kind of pay our way or make ourselves right. Let us rest just as you have called us to rest in Christ, that we are are to come before him, uh, all who are weak and, and weary and heavy laden, and he will give rest. I just pray for rest and release to anybody in this room that, that resonates with this idea of having been striving uh, to just carry their own load. 
but also I pray that you would be at work to help us. Help us to, to be willingly transparent with others about what you have blessed us and how you've blessed us with. We just give you praise now, and we ask for your name to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.